We have Sid back. We check in with where in the world is Laura Sidal this week. And then we hear about Ultraman, Daytona, all his latest races, and of course, the Kona news. And then we have an interview with Kate Verano, the director of women's strategy for Zwift, who helped organize the first women's tour to France earlier this year. We talk about what that took, her background, why it was important, and what triathlon can learn now, how we can create a women's only and men's only world championship uh what tips we can take all of that coming up today All right, we're back with Sid. Sid is uh, on her Around the World Travels this week. Where in the world is Sid? She's in Daytona. It could be a new game, couldn't it? Well, in fact, I think it's been a game for the last few years, Where in the World is Sid? People keep asking me where I live, and I'm just like, at the moment, in a suitcase, I have no idea what time zone I'm on, if I've switched to the relevant time zone, if I'm still on the previous time zone, or just through lack of sleep, I'm connecting to the next time zone I go to next week. Probably, yeah. (laughs) Yeah forward forward thinking yeah so so you're in daytona to be a i mean what were you doing? athlete liaison production assist you were like involved behind the scenes in the broadcast of clash daytona and i gotta say i think their broadcast is still like the best one out there i mean i know like the nbc kona doc is emmy yeah. award winning but live coverage i think they do the best job yeah I, I think and it was fascinating to be a bit more involved this year behind the scenes so i was I don't know what you call it, shadowing, supporting Shannon Spake, who is a professional commentator for NFL, for NASCAR, for all sorts of sports. She's just awesome. Um, and I was kind of there to give her a bit more of that triathlon-specific knowledge mm. on the ground. And um, I had a radio with me um, so I could hear the broadcast. And it sounded like they were covering so much of the race. And then, so there was Belinda. They had Brent McMahon in the booth for the first time, which I thought was really great. And Rick Allen. And then uh, Alicia Kay and Shannon were on the ground. Um, and I mean, it was just fascinating to say I was there to give Shannon triathlon specific. For someone who would come and this, so uh, Challenge, Clash Daytona was in the middle day of like three events she was doing over the weekend. So she'd flown mm. in like late Thursday night. We did it Friday and she flew out first thing this morning to an NFL event, I think. Um, and she's pitch side but yet she took she'd rung a load of the athletes to speak to them to in, like interview or just talk to them and get their stories interview yeah and we were going through like the start list and she could remember she could reel off stuff that they told her like her memory on that sort of stuff and then being able mm-hmm. to bring it into a story and then when we were out on track she's like oh my gosh that's so-and-so's dad and He's like X, Y, and Z, and and we right. Let's get them, and, and then she would feed that back to the production team. So then, Alicia, Alicia would find the athlete on the track, and then they could find mm. like the pre pre recorded interviews if they'd done it with her with somebody the athlete, and then we'd go they'd go to like Shannon on the ground with the dad, the parent, the 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 kids or whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, and that was just like super impressive to watch yeah i mean it it does uh, it does help it's on a track so they have the nascar infrastructure and but their production team and crew is uh, it's nascar it's top notch it really is top notch someone did tell me i'm not gonna name names that they were like oh man getting interviewed by you know the regular triathlon low 
people and then getting mm-hmm. interviewed by Shannon was just such a contrast. I was like, oh no, I've interviewed you. What are you saying about yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, ooh. <laughs> no. Um, but the other thing I do really like about their coverage, and again, you can do this because it's in a track, is the leaderboard. Yeah. Like when I tuned in, because I forgot it was like Friday morning, I tuned in and I'm like, oh, I can see immediately who's lead in the lead, like where everything is. It's so much easier to follow. Oh my God. They, they really made a big effort with graphics this year and I think it paid off. But again, yes, it's nascar mm-hmm. that's a nascar graphic that done right. but again i don't think like it, the, the technology is obviously there like how hard is it to have leaderboard graphics on but yeah yeah i mean apparently hard like, apparently, apparently hard. pretty yeah. hard yeah apparently <laughs> hard yeah um they were exciting races too obviously vince is you know pretty untouchable at this yeah. kind of a thing um I, I told you I did have to the girl who won Italian Olympian. I did have to Google her, and that is rare in the women's field that I have to Google. Someone. I I will put my hands up. I had to Google quite a few athletes for this race, um, which is exciting because it's like there's a a bunch of the short course WTS athletes who moved up or stepped up. I mean, it, it was the Daytona distance, so slightly shorter shorter than a right. a half. Um, but yeah, I was doing a little bit of research on a lot of those girls and the guys racing as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, Ange- Angelica's been qu- quite quiet mm-hmm. for a few years, so yeah. I was going to say, she basically, I mean, she did was at the Olympics, but then I, my understanding is she basically quit and like was dead and raised for like yeah. nine months and pretty much stopped or thought she was done. And kudos also to Alicia for uh, giving her a wild card and bringing her into the Daytona yeah. race and seeing kind of the potential there. Because now I think uh, she is definitely not quitting the sport. I was going to say, and I think we might see a new kind of middle distance star potentially. Right. On I think it, it, it's one of those, you know, I think we've had a few stories of like WTF athletes that have kind of been burnt out by the sport for various reasons, mm-hmm. whether that's injury or politics, whatever it is, federations or, or just tough time with, with oh, the racing. Oh, it sounded... Uh... Yeah. Reading between the lines, it sounded federation based, right? It yeah, sounded exactly. like there was yeah. some political bullshit. Yeah. Same as Paula went through, same as exactly. Ashley went and like you know, it yeah. put, puts people in that point of they they're just like they're going to quit, and then they sort of get that opportunity in long course where, yes, we don't have the federations, and there's a lot of other bullshit that goes on in long course, but they kind of can race for themselves, and they suddenly find this new mm-hmm. new lease of life and love the sport again. So that, I mean, that's pretty cool, and she's lovely. Uh, we had quite a lot of couples. I think that was a big, you know, Leo Bajer right. was that. So Angelica is Leo Bajer's girlfriend or he's her boyfriend, whichever way you want to put priority on. Um, he was meant to race, but unfortunately was sick. So pulled out. Mm. But then we had a quite a few other sort of partners racing and, and things like that. Which brings us to the news of the week. I was oh, thinking yeah. there's a re- like, so uh, like quite a few of the uh, pro women were a little bit like, Oh no, just kind of not like, like, Oh, it'll be cool. It'll be fun. But also like, Oh, and I realized, I think they disproportionately have significant others in the men's field. So for yeah. them, they are disproportionately affected. I will, I will say like one reality, thing, yeah. going back to Daytona, actually, it was really sweet. So I'm going to throw them <laughs> under the, so Sif Madsen, I think her name is, I think I, don't, I can't remember her surname, but Sif, um, again, she got a wild card. She's a Danish athlete. She's pretty young. She's super young. She was the youngest in the field. She is lovely. She Her boyfriend is Magnus Ditliff, who was in Daytona to support her. And he was like holding up a whiteboard every time, giving her like lap splits to like who was in front and who was back, which is so cute to see. And they were just like, he was like literally Sherpa boy all weekend for her which is very cool but anyway yes going back to other big news of the week which was yeah right i was like yeah other big but i did yeah. i was thinking that because a lot of people have been like oh what about the couple the you know hetero couples that can't go now or the families that had like a 
yeah. cross gender can't go down. And I was like, that's really like I've done the math. I've looked around. It's really like a hundred. It's not that many. Like you're in the elite of the elite. Yeah. But then it obviously is disproportionately the pros. Like yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. And- so the big news of the week. What do you? I mean, you and I have talked about it plenty off scenes, but let's talk about it. Uh, Kona going to be all women 2023, and I know it's not official, but we're all like pretty sure it's going to be nice for the men, and then switch the next year. Yeah, feelings go. Um, I it's been interesting, and I've been trying to talk to a few pros the last few days, saying, "Hey, what are your thoughts?" And I've actually found myself like semi-defending Iron Man on this decision. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying I agree with the decision, but the options they were given and the fact that it wasn't right. Iron Man who... They were forced into making this decision. I'm like, I feel they need to give it, get be given a little bit of a break. I don't know. Um, I think, look, in an ideal world, I think most of us would like to see two-day racing in the same location, whether that is Kona, whether that is not Kona. I think the two-day is needed... And it's great to be able to be there at the same time and you can watch and support the men and vice versa. That wasn't an option. So I don't didn't want to go back to what I, I me personally, I don't think going back to one day was a was a good option either. So I don't actually think I don't actually think going back to one day is is an option. No. Like I know everyone's like, well, we could. But given the number of spots that they've That's promised, right. they yeah. would have to take them yeah. away. Yeah. And like you'd have to and like you'd go like there would be too many people yeah. crammed into one. Like, I don't actually think it would have been logistically possible. Yeah. Um, so I don't really think that was on the table. No. Like... But however, although this couldn't happen in Kona either because of the numbers, I did think of an option C, but again, nice. that is not an option because we weren't given those options. It was kind of, yeah, go back to one day. And I think a and... lot of people have thought of C, D, D E, and F, F. But yeah. look, the reality is it's not, they thought of those two yeah. and they didn't work out. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> like... look, I don't know, best of a bad bunch, is that how you call it kind of thing? I think we can make it work. I think as the dust settles and people get their head around it, you know, change is horrible to anybody at any time. And it never you're never going to please everybody. Um, but I think we have to give it a go. And I think if the brands, the media, and everyone gets behind it, we could make something really special and exciting out of change. Um, yes, yeah, I, I think it'll be fun. the communication I mean, I, like, look, path like, could be different, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, look, like, is it possible? Is this is this a bet? Sure. Like, is yeah. there a risk and, like, a yeah. possible, like, it doesn't work? Like, absolutely. But do I think it was the right bet, given this, like, the cards you had? Like, yeah. yes, right? So, like, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. We, like, we can always, but, like, we will, it, the sport will still be the sport. We can change. Yeah. We can, like, adjust and change and make things. But, like, if you needed two days, which you do, given the amount of people who want to race in the world, given the fact that like women's racing is like taking a prominent position in the world of sports, period, right now, if you need two days, and if you want one of those days to still be in Kona, this then is right, this is what's the reality. This is yeah. reality. If you're if you're ready to be like ditch Kona, two days in Nice, two yeah. days in Carnes, two days like yeah. then sure. But I don't think we're ready to ditch Kona, so this so is what, what it is, right? Yeah. Like, totally agree and it's funny like i being i know we're going to come on to ultraman in another episode but being in kona those last few weeks and speaking to quite a lot of the locals there was some interesting interesting thoughts as well um and again sort of educational pieces that need to be done between Mm -hmm. iron man and the locals Mm -hmm. but as you said if they want to stick with an attachment to kona but there is no two-day option available then this is your kind of i mean the 
the other argument is that you do you start reducing numbers and i think you guys discuss this and like you know a world yeah, championship I mean, I should be should yeah. be more elite but you know again i that's not iron man they are a for-profit company the other the option i thought, don't think you can right like here's yeah. the reality the other thing is like people are like oh we should decrease the numbers do you know how many women there were at the year i did kona 700 that's pretty fucking low like i don't think like i don't think yeah. anyone's like oh man we should have fewer women than yeah exactly yeah. right like, no i agree agree the other thing someone said the other day to me maybe it was you i can't remember it was like could you put but and you again you couldn't do this in kona because the numbers that they've got to on the men and women's side is, is the issue of putting all of them together on one day. But like, do the age groupers on the Saturday. Right. Do them on one day. Do the pros all age groupers sure. on Saturday and then have just the pros on Sunday because then it's easy. You can do the back to back days because you've got less number of pros checking in to the pier and they'd be in a separate sure. check-in area anyway. Your road closures would be less because the pros would race would be over a lot quicker and you're less yeah, numbers yeah, so you can yeah. manage it better and on the plus side the age groupers race on the first day they can all then come out and watch the pros on the next I mean, there's, day there's and pros and amazing. cons to that but yeah exactly obviously the con would be that like media coverage would get you'd have you would have to double i would want to make sure sh- yeah. i would want to make sure you had the double double the camera crews and stuff together and it's the yeah. old issue yeah. yeah and there's and again like you couldn't do it in kona you couldn't like right now so like anyway i think this is the best yeah. of it is i also think like it's a unique opportunity and i'm using opportunity you know in that in that sense of the word to like really target your marketing like talking to messick on the podcast last week when we did the joint with feisty i mean you could do a really targeted women's marketing campaign here. And like today I have the interview with um, Kate Verano, who's like the yeah. Swift women's marketing director who put on the women's tour de France. And like, we were talking a lot about like, you can do like really targeted storytelling and really like target your media and your sponsors yeah. and like throw a ton of, like if you know you need to and want to grow your women's market, like this is a chance to throw a ton of money at yeah. that and be like ha- smart. Like, yeah. But can we not just like do an expo that's pink and shrink it and I know, and makeup? I, know. You, because, you that, I mean, but... I would love that. Actually, today th- <laughs> that was one thing for um, Clash Daytona. They brought in a makeup artist for the headshots. And I, somebody else told me that. And it was like, yeah. everyone was like, oh, this sounds a bit weird. But all the athletes were like, this was amazing kind of thing. Because they want good shots. Like, it's not. Sure, sure. Yeah. Anyway. but yeah. You know what? I got my hair and makeup done. This is weird side point. I um was in a they needed me as a talking head for like a documentary about triathlon and Siri Lindley and and then they did like my hair and makeup and I was like well this is because I was coming for the pool and uh and they're like well we're gonna give you a natural look which took like two hours yeah I don't really I don't know how that worked (laughs) I know it was funny it was like before the uh, for the media for the guys that were doing the, the commentary live and it was like so how long does the hair and makeup need to be and they're like i think you need to ask the makeup artist how long she needs to do her work and how much she's <laughs> yeah. so um but, I but, mean, but yeah there's a big look, opportunity like, for like there could be really specific cool. female yes. yeah and again it's about the like, storytelling uh, it's about the storytelling uh, yeah like i mean like sarah and i are tra- putting together like some ideas about like women of Kona, like the year of women, queens of Kona. That's the best we've come up with so yeah. far. Uh, but like a whole, you know, whole series on things. Yeah. And I mean, she, you know, is a smart businesswoman. She put up a women's training camp slash viewing camp that'll like culminate in a women's, you know, take yeah. a trip to Kona and then watch the race, right? Like that's going to make money. Like that's yeah. smart. Um, so yeah. there's some opportunity to do stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, 
I know not. I know it's going to be super expensive to try and do both. Like that's not. Yeah, it's. I mean, that, that's that, not going to. Two be day events kill everybody in terms of like like yes. everyone was knackered. It was hard, mm-hmm. and whether and it's two locations now, which maybe that's better from the fatigue during the actual race week that you've got. But it's to, you know, more four expensive, weeks apart, but yeah. it's more expensive, and you, you know, you guys touched on it. Um, our brands products our media are they going to split 50 50 are they going to weight their campaigns more heavily on one than the other and i think it's also it's going to be hard to know how successful it is because when something like when you change something like this you almost need a couple of years to iron it out but and because of the rotations you know you've got to go through a few of those which is sort of four to six years where you might not have that much time it might need to evolve again. I, I, before this that. is one of the things I've like, I've, you know, and with people deferring or yeah. legacy spots to get to get that match up. I have said this to a few people because um, I also like a lot. Like everyone does this. I've like talked to a lot of people about this, right? And everyone has this first reaction where they go, "Oh God!" And then you give them, give them like twenty minutes, right? Like let, let them think it through, and then they're like, "Okay, they can kind of see like why it, why Iron Man yeah. ended up in this spot." Like, and then they're like, "Okay, like maybe we could do something," right? Like everyone kind of takes a little time to get there. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. Oh yeah, but what? Well, then I then find myself telling him over and over is like, look, think back. Remember those early years of Clearwater when we were all like, "What the fuck is this shit? Like, this is the stupidest thing. Like, they let anyone do this. You can't just make up a distance and make a world champ. Like, this is never gonna last." And now it's like t- it took like ten years, fifteen years, right? But now it's like a thing. So you have to just be like, okay, this is gonna take some time to build. Yeah, this is a long term play. Yeah, an investment. So we'll see. And, you know, I would echo that then, and hopefully I'll get brownie points from someone for this, <laughs> is the PTO races and series and the Collins right. Cup. It's going to take time to build it a to be a successful race series or whatever it is we need. It's a longer term plan. But yeah, I hope someone is listening. I, uh, I did that. notice. There you go. I uh, have noticed that, and I positive behind the scenes right that the pto hasn't announced their schedule yet either and i'm optimistic sid that 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 adjustments are being made that we're we're yeah yeah it's been unofficially announced but we're not allowed to say i think um but yeah now that might be like oh heck things have moved a bit and maybe there need to be some adjusting um i I, it would be nice that races would give get them out pretty soon to give people a chance it is. I mean, although uh, this is like too super behind the scenes, but it is a little crazy that our sport is basically like I was talking to somebody who is at the and I was like, hey, I hear Iron Man's going to move this thing and your guys's race would then interfere. You should go and talk to someone <laughs> like and they were like, right. Like, how is that how this is working? How is that the system? I don't know. That's weird. It, it is. It's, not good. it's like, should we just play all nicely together in the playground? <laughs> Let's all chit chat. You boys not do that uh, on the golf but, course because there is a lot of boys yeah. in the, you know, it's the boys club. There's a lot of boys. You guys could all yeah. like go out to, you know, bar, yeah. chat it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there have been a lot of events though. I mean, you and I, I mean, you and I have talked, we haven't talked in the podcast because you've been super busy and I know we're going to have, so we're going to have Sid and Dee Dee debrief the full Ultraman World Championships next week on an episode. You guys can get fully into it. I know. Are you going to give me a time limit? We might have to do several episodes. I'm going to have to keep it really, really concise. (laughs) It was a three-day race. And if I I go from the length of the briefings for Ultraman and the awards for Ultraman, everything is time-wise in proportion to the length of the event, which was three days. The podcast is going to be like, it's going to go forever. (laughs) 
The short summary is... <laughs> DD at 52 set a new course record. Uh, yeah. One was third overall. Very, uh, it sounded very involved too. As the, you guys had like six crew out there, it's a whole thing. Yeah, we, I mean, the guys that won Richard Thompson, like he had his his crew was done, and he's done it a few times, and a couple of the other races. We were, I mean, it was the first time I'd crewed, and Kate had crewed, and Sophie actually, but Dibs had done it before. And then we had Dave, who's Didi's husband. Uh, he'd done it before as well. So we were pretty new as a crew, but I think all... Didi's so organized. Like, we'd got spreadsheets for months ago of, like, literally what timing we were doing everything each day and nutrition plan. And we'd each got a different role in, for the three days. And, like, someone said it. We're all... All of us were A-type personalities. And any of us could have led that led, led the team sort of thing. But we all appreciated who was team leader and who was in each role and supported them in that role and took that uh, to make the team work. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we were, we, we, it was serious. We were dialed in. And for Didi, it's been, you know, she qualified in 2020. Mm-hmm. It was then mm-hmm. COVID right. and postponed. So it's been huge for her for the last three years. Um, so there was, and she's, you know, she's trained her, trained her ass off for it. And then, you know, yeah. there was the added, um, spark, which I think was really good. You know, Leander Cave threw a hat in the ring and, you know, you'd got mm-hmm. then Tara Norton, who's won it a couple of times. And, it's, and Tara, again, sorry, you said brief. Tara has won it a couple of times. She took 45 minutes off her best time in Kona that weekend and yet came fourth oh, okay. in the women's race. So it was pretty competitive. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, it's great an conditions. And then the volcano yeah. erupted and it was all fine. Right. Yeah. Right. They yeah. were like, we don't want you triathletes here anyway. Uh, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So we are going to have uh, Sid yeah. interview Didi fully next week. I know. And, and quite that. Uh, I gather you then probably didn't watch the other big races. I, you didn't see any of Abu Dhabi since you were in a van somewhere. Um, Yes, we were in a van, and that's another story, but that will come out on the podcast. Um, I watched Abu Dhabi uh, on the other night as prep for Daytona just to see what was happening, and we watched a bit of Arizona as well the weekend before, I think, because a few people were racing that that we knew. Yeah. Abu Dhabi, I do think, I know, like, I don't know, there's a tendency in, like, especially, obviously, mass participation to be, like, all about Ironman. But short course racing so exciting. Abu Dhabi was like such, it was the best race I've oh, seen in a while. Like it was so crazy. Both men and women. Like start with the men. Yeah. The fact that um, the world championship lead changed like five times in the last 400 meters of the run yeah. as people sprinted past others and died and et cetera, et cetera. And Leo Bajer didn't even know he was world champion crossing the line because it, it depended on what we thought what we thought would all be a pretty unrealistic scenario yeah. given how they've all raced over the year and yet it almost played out in everything mm-hmm. he needed to for that, for that win and then you just had Georgia Taylor Brown and Flora Duffy and Flora just doing Flora things of being a I mean I say a one day racer she's performed I mean, consistently she like, over the season but just but like she just was just it. throwing like Move, like she, you know how like yeah, when you watch you like yeah. top level people yeah yeah you just keep throwing stuff at like yeah. maybe this will stick maybe this will stick yeah. like yeah just kept i was and- telling eventually like she's pretty much the only one right now who can run a 32 30 
off of an attacking bike, right? Because yeah. she attacks the bike, kills everyone, and then can run a 32-30, right? And George Taylor Brown can run, like, a 33, but that's, like, where it comes, you know, and obviously yeah. they were attacking each other on the run, too, and surging. Eventually, somebody, like, other people will get, like, other, like, people will, but right now, she's, like, the only one who can do that, really. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. she's, yeah, I mean, like we said before, she's just at the Olympic distance, at the WTS racing, there's a reason why she is four times world champion and the Commonwealth Games cha- twice, mm-hmm. Commonwealth Games champion, Olympic champion. Like she just knows how to race. She's so experienced and so tactical astute now, and just knows how to race those races. And I think from an effort level, it's just in her wheel. Like it's her wheelhouse that high intensity and mm-hmm. attack. Yeah. So yeah, it's a uh, yeah. But you have to see. It's also I think it's also like a fascinating case study because I mean, this was her fourth Olympics or something. She's been doing this since she was like 16. Right. Yeah. And you can see over, like she quit for a while. She came back. She, and it's really only been like the last five years that it's like, Oh man, like she knows what, it, what she has to do. And she goes and she does, but it took like a long time. Well, to I mean, figure it, that out. yeah. I mean, we go back to Rio, like leading into Rio, she was, yeah. she was coming up as one of the favorites into Rio and then I can't remember now. Did she have a crash, or then just something went off the boil for Rio? And then yeah. since she ended then, up like seventh or eighth. Yeah, right? and then since then, since then it's yeah. been like back up again. So yeah, I mean it's not just this overnight. But then yeah, fourth world yeah. title is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, pretty crazy. Out of yeah. all that, so anyway, I just yeah. I thought that was a crazy race. Uh, I've talked to a couple people who are over in Abu Dhabi. Then uh, you know, sounded yeah. like it was an interesting event overall. So. Crazy. Yeah. And what? And we have. One more weekend? Uh, Ironman WA, Bustleton is this weekend. And then um, New Zealand. And New Zealand. And Bahrain. And Bahrain, that's right. So Vincent Luis is, did have, he did like the Abu Dhabi, the Clash Daytona, and he's then going to, going to Bahrain. So a lot of travel. I did hear the best joke that was, uh, who are we kidding? The Ironman World Championships are just going to end up in Qatar in like four years. <laughs> I was like, that's probably true, actually. <laughs> Actually, that's the first I've heard that, but that does not. I'm like, I started laughing and then went, oh, no, that actually could happen. Yeah, maybe that will. Yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. might happen. Yeah, you're like, actually. <laughs> I might be quiet. Let's really hope not. Yeah. yeah. Oh. All right. Well, uh, good luck on your next trip to yes. wherever, where in the world Sid will be next week. Yeah, we, it will be a different location as well and a different continent and time zone again. It'll be like, okay, I'm talking to you from. Yeah. So, and then, uh, and then, yeah, we'll be back after, and you'll uh, you'll give us the full breakdown with Didi. We'll have the full lowdown from Ultraman. Yes. All right. Talk to you later. Soon. Thanks. All right, welcome. This week we're talking to Kate Verno, who is the, I don't know what your official, but you're the organizer of the Women's Tour de France of Zwift. You're in charge of all of it, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I am the director of Women's Strategy at Zwift. And as the title sponsor, we got a pretty heavy hand in um, making this race come to life. Which is awesome. And and so I wanted to talk to you, obviously, about, about that and everything. But I wanted to start out kind of talking, I mean, the Women's Tour de France was this big thing this year, and suddenly everyone was paying attention. But you have kind of been working in cycling for a long, long time. So let's talk. start with how did you even get into cycling in the first place? I think uh, I think you got hurt, right, and had to take up biking? Yeah. So I'm, a, a, like you find with a lot of cyclists and endurance athletes, triathletes, I am a, uh, I played another sport uh, through right. college. I played basketball. Um 
and I had a couple knee surgeries and I, it was really not a, a viable thing to keep running and keep, you know, uh, with all the kind of lateral movements involved in basketball. So I had to find a new outlet and uh, I found bikes. I always had a bike, always loved bikes as like just means of transportation and just kind of fun. Um, and I was introduced to racing when somebody brought me to like the Philly bike race years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I was just blown away. Like it was just such a cool thing. The whole city shut down to watch uh, this giant race come through. It was a UCI race at the time, like one of the highest levels races. And I always say this, I saw like a giant pack of men go by. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And then like 10 minutes later, this giant pack of women go by and I'm like, hold up. Like women race bikes. I didn't even know it. I was probably like 26 years old, had no idea that women really race bikes. I really just was never exposed to it. Um, and next thing you know, I, I just caught the bug big time and three years later, I ended up racing that race. <laughs> so, um, yeah, fell into it hard. Just love the competitive outlet, love the travel, the community, um, just the endless ways you can ride a bike and meet new people and have new experiences. So that just sort of led me to a career in cycling then, mm-hmm. because also at the time pro racing wasn't a great option. Uh, unless right. you're I was going to say, best. You tried yeah. to make it right as like a domestic uh, pro and it just didn't, yeah. it doesn't, it's and not it's, a thing, right? Yeah. And I was doing all right as a domestic pro, but like, uh, it's just, there just wasn't any compensation, not a lot, not a lot of opportunity, no opportunity to go to Europe, you mm. know, um, and get to like the big leagues. So it just was very, the opportunities were very far and few between. So I ended up, uh, working in cycling and I started out working at the Trexler town velodrome, the Valley preferred cycling center. Um, mm-hmm. in Allen, it's like right near Allentown, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I loved that racetrack and, and worked as the marketing director there was introduced to a whole bunch of <clears throat> international cyclists that would come every year to race the track. And that was really fun. And I just met a lot of people and just, you know, further, uh, just further, um, enhanced my love of the sport and the people that I was meeting through the sport. Um, and then I got an opportunity to work in bike tours and I ended up over uh, spending a lot of my time in Europe. Um, okay. I was the marketing director for Thompson Bike Tours and we brought people to uh, uh, the biggest mountains in Europe to go, you know, conquer, you know, the coals right. and, and the Alps and the Pyrenees and the Dolomites. And they were the premier tour operator, they still are, to the Tour de France. So we mm. brought... Americans, Australians, South Africans to France to experience the tour firsthand and to ride the coals. And um, in 2016, I started to notice a lot of my bike tour clients were um, using this product called Zwift. I saw it all Uh, over Strava. I see, you know, that they're doing this indoor cycling and I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, there wasn't much you know, when I was racing, indoor cycling was just staring at a wall right, and then eventually right. maybe maybe watching Netflix or something, but it wasn't, there was no app for that, <laughs> you know? And I uh, I looked up Zwift. I had just moved to California. I looked up Zwift and they were a half hour south of me in Long Beach. I'm in LA. They're in Long Beach. I sent them an email and I just said, hey, I will give you a trip to the Tour de France to give away. Let's do a, tra- a challenge together. So we did a Strava challenge together where you had to like ride like 100K in Zwift to enter a chance to win, you know, win a trip to the Tour de France. That's cool. Um, And it went great. It was awesome. Um, And we, you know, I got to meet the guys at Zwift. It was mostly guys at the time. Um, And next thing you know, they offered me a job to run this crazy program, this idea they had uh, called Zwift Academy. 
<laughs> Switch Academy. Okay. Okay. So you kind of like worked your way through all the different sort of avenues yep. of cycling, ended up there. Um, Swift Academy is interesting. And I know obviously that then, you know, led to the virtual tour, which led to the tour. Uh, why, like, why did Swift want to invest in, like, because the Academy, I like started with kind of investing in women, investing in development athletes, getting, why, why, why would Swift want to do that? It was just a great opportunity. Here we have this virtual yeah. world. We can do whatever we want. We can play by sure. Swift rules. <laughs> and um, we wanted to do this global talent ID competition, you know, to find the next pro. We have this platform. We can see everybody's data. We can open up. We can open up a tryout to the world, you know, to be a pro. And we partnered with Canyon SRAM, who was a brand new team on the world tour and make it a big splash. Right. I mean, this team was just like their kit, their, their, everything about them was so pro and just so flash and a very exciting team, a very progressive thinking team. Um, and, you know, they actually approached us about it. We were already thinking about doing some sort of competition in Zwift based on a GT Academy, a race car driving game that, uh -huh. uh, you know, was it was a tryout for a real world opportunity. So it was like a match made in heaven. Uh, so we worked with a, a women's team to start with Academy was a women's program. And throughout that whole process of, of finding the next pro and, 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 and uh, you know, creating a new opportunity, a new pathway to the pros. I think we learned so much. I mean, I, I honestly knew a lot of it already about how limited the opportunities were. <laughs> Um, but it was nice to to really, you know, for uh, a broader understanding of of how important it is to create new opportunities to be seen and to uh, to show performance and stuff. Because if, if you're not in the right place, if you're not like, you know, in a really concentrated cycling area with a ton of races, which, you know, is not a lot of places, it's hard to be seen. It's hard to um, have an opportunity to showcase your skills and your strengths. So we created think, um, this crazy program. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. And I think a lot of people, I mean, I like Academy's fun. It's obviously not as a try one and a run one. I think, yep. uh, I think a lot of people though, what I hear is like the cynical kind of like, okay, that's nice. That's great. Like create more opportunity, but why would it benefit Zwift? Like why does Zwift want there to be more female? Like why invest, you know, in this? Well, honestly, it was a, uh, uh the, the media loved it. It's exciting mm. for it's crazy. It's wild. Um, that first year was pretty risky, sort of like, whoa, whoa, you're going to take somebody riding in their basement and put them on a pro team like that's whoa. And, but it got a lot of ink and it was like <laughs> and we did some really incredible videos um, to document the competition mm -hmm. and it exposed the the personalities and the scene. And it was just a really fun way to show an inside look at uh, the Women's World Tour and a women's training camp and and what it takes Uh and it gave us an inside kind of glimpse into the the challenges of, uh, that women's pro teams face and stuff. And I think that it kicked off a, a real investment on our part, a commitment on our part to do whatever we could to continue to grow the sport. Um, and for Zwift, honestly, it's great because it's, um, you know, it puts our values uh, first and foremost, you know, like mm -hmm. very forward that we, we really care about women's cycling and that we're willing, you know, to invest in it and, and create new opportunities. Um, so we, we want our community to feel that and to feel sort of that they're a part of a community that cares and that is advancing the sport. So that's good for Zwift. Um, the Zwift Academy also is, is a, it's a global training program. So it's mm -hmm. also you have this chance to uh, do a training program that is also a tryout for a world tour team, which is kind of exciting. It's sort of like. You know, imagine like going to a pickup game and, and, and basketball game and like, you know, playing with, uh, you know, one of the best 
basketball players in the world. You know, you have this sort of uh, everybody's in the same pool. And that's kind of a, a just a novel and, and really unique thing that our platform can offer. Plus, it was great training because we're working with world class coaches. So now we have a, a product offering that's wonderful for our community. And now that eventual winner starts out with, you know, thousands of fans from all around the world mm-hmm. that did the program with them. So it just so it's it, so been it, 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 a lot of ways. Yeah. Right. So it helps like bring more women in because I know obviously that was a problem for Zwift early on. Has it helped bring more? Have, have all these women initiatives brought more women to the Zwift oh, platform? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Women oh, yeah. is our fastest growing demographic, but it's still, you know, we're cycling and it's, um, you know, it kind of mirrors the outside scene mm-hmm. in, in terms of like it's still very male dominated, but uh, it is our fastest growing demographic. And we have grown, uh, you know, exponentially in our, for our women's community on, on the platform. And I think we'll see even more growth over the next couple of years. If you've seen Strava data about how many more women got on bikes over mm-hmm. the pandemic, you know, that growing faster than, you know, men. Um, so we'll we'll see that reflected on the platform as well. And so that obviously kind of involved, I mean, it made sense during, I say during the pandemic, we're still in the pandemic, early I pandemic, know, right? right. Uh, to like have that evolve into the, the virtual Tour de France, and then that evolved into a real life Tour de France. Yeah. How did that kind of progression happen? Because obviously, I think everyone can get their head around, okay, Zwift wants to invest in getting more women on their platform, but why are they sponsoring a real life event? Like, how does this make yeah. any sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that started because, let's see, so... Uh, when we started doing racing on Zwift, uh-huh. we started from the start, we started equal opportunity, equal broadcast, equal prize purse for men and women from the start. That was just our policy on the platform because why not? Like, why would, why right. would we do it any differently? We have a wonderful opportunity to offer complete parity. So we did that from the beginning. Um, the pandemic hits. We, uh, you know, there was a big question mark over what was going to happen with the Tour de France that year. We partner with the ASO to host an exhibition event, some exhibition racing, a six-day virtual Tour de France on the platform in June of 2020. And because it's on our platform, we're going to do it with complete parity. So we (laughs) did uh, equal distance, equal opportunity, equal broadcast for men and women. And what was really fun, and this was broadcast, it was like, I don't know, over 100 countries. It was was really really, uh, really visible. And it was like, you know, everybody was kind of hungry for any kind of cycling content at the time because all races were canceled. So you had a lot of eyes, millions and millions all around the world watching uh, people race virtually. And it was the world tour team. So we invited all the men's and women's world tour teams, which was really exciting. Um, And each day we switched the broadcast. So the first day, maybe the men went first and then the women. And then the next day, the women went first and then the men. And, you know, and the numbers were great. They were fantastic. The women's racing was actually better. They had been using Zwift more. They also mm. saw this as an incredible opportunity because, like, the world's watching. So they really brought their A game. Um, the shorter distances of Zwift suited the women's pro peloton um, mm. in terms of their strengths and, and, you know, the punchiness, aggressive style of their racing. And they were more experienced Zwifters and just really embraced the opportunity um, uh, you know, for this world stage. And it was really fun. Um, and it was, uh, it kind of proved the concept, uh, especially for ASO. And that mm-hmm. kicked off that conversation of like, listen, it is time. There had been, um, you know, the uh, uh, La Course, uh, the, right. the women's course stage that was presented by ASO, but it was not, it wasn't a proper Tour de France. You know, it was a step in the right direction, but it just wasn't moving forward. And it was time uh, the the talent, the, the teams are there. It's time for a proper women's Tour de France stage race. 
And with our support, with our commitment of a four-year title sponsorship, they're ready to take the plunge. And that's what kicked that off. And um, again, this is just, this is all about like, as a product, as a community, we want to elevate and grow women's cycling. That is one of our biggest missions as a company. Mm -hmm. We feel our unique position to, uh, as a successful kind of tech startup app, fitness platform, um, we have a unique opportunity to to put our money somewhere where we really care. And also, yes, of course, we want to grow uh, women on the platform. But this is uh, this is about a bigger picture of we want more women on bikes all around the world. We want this inspiration to drive participation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been uh, just an incredible journey. I mean, like seeing the response this past summer. Uh, I mean, I, it was the best week of my life. Uh, it was just <laughs> my husband, the wedding was great, but <laughs> um, it was so thrilling to see it all come to life and to see it all, all eyes on it. It was the biggest thing that happened in cycling this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it really is elevating the sport exactly as we hope to, and just getting more women on bikes, more kids watching and little girls dreaming of racing. Um, just all, there's just so much to it. It was great. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome. And I, I think, uh, I, I think it took the four year commitment obviously, so we can like get our heads around like, all right, this doesn't have to be, be flawless first, like out of the gate. We have four years. Yeah. <laughs> and the cool um, thing was the sentiment on the ground after this year, this is yeah. not going anywhere like four years my ass it's gonna be here forever it is it is like it's it's just everybody's sold it's fabulous fabulous entertainment fabulous racing did uh i mean i know i kind of keep hard but like did zwift obviously it was hugely successful and obviously it's a long-term play for zwift kind of like we want to grow the sport which will ultimately create more female cyclists which will ultimately get them buying our products get them involved all that kind of thing um i'm assuming they founded uh also beneficial for them this year absolutely uh zwift yeah You're, yes oh absolutely um you know there's uh just a lot of uh, you know a lot of positive energy coming at zwift mm-hmm. right now and so when <laughs> you know when people are thinking about you know what they're going to do for for training uh or race riding you know when they can't ride outside um you know they are looking at zwift as an option because mm-hmm. we uh we have a wonderful women's community uh, we are, you know, game changers in, in, in the world of sport right now. So it's a, it's an exciting community. It's an exciting platform to be a part of. Um, and who knows, you could be riding with, you know, some of the uh, best women pros in the world. Right. Well, there's that. So obviously, obviously where I'm going with this is, I mean, you know, we talked about it. There was the women's only Kona that was announced this week. There's going to be a separate men's only race. And one of the things, the whole triathlon community has been like, shit, like, how do we make this successful how do we make this good how do we get me and so we were all looking at the successful women's sort of france as like what can we learn from this so everyone's been telling me i have to ask you like how much did you invest in getting media there how did you get other sponsors there was there money to be made like were the other sponsors besides swift making money were the media outlets making money like how how can we make this successful you know oh yeah um so Yes, uh, hugely successful. Um, and uh, that's because it brought, I mean, it, it had the exposure that mm-hmm. uh, we really hoped. It had, you know, so much more exposure than we hoped in f- terms of people tuning in. Mm-hmm. Um, so great, great value for the sponsors that, you know, were a part of the race. 
uh, just incredible, um, just, you know, uh, uh, brand awareness. So that was a huge part of it because this this is one of the biggest things that happened in cycling this year, if not Mm -hmm. probably the biggest, honestly. Um, We heard from media sites, uh, cycling media sites, that they had more visits than uh, during the women's tour than the Giro, the men's Giro, the second biggest race on the men's calendar. So now we have the second biggest race in the world. There's the men's Tour de France, and now the second biggest race in the world is the women's Tour de France. Um, Plus, I mean, think about the value of just you know, the, the sponsors that are, are, are part of this game-changing moment. I mean, mm-hmm. the storytelling, the content that came out of this. Uh, it's, it's incredibly valuable, um, incredibly uh, noteworthy, inkworthy. So much coverage. You know, Wall Street Journal, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, New York Times, uh, CNN. Everybody's covering this. NPR, everybody's sure. covering it. Forbes, you know, everybody outside. So outside of our cycling media space. So that was a big part of it just because it was a game changing moment. You know, this right. is like, do you the think that's the sport shift? Yeah. Right. I mean, I always ask because it was first. Do you think that's still going to be the case uh, next year, in two years, for you? You know, how do you keep that excitement from NPR, from Wall Street Journal, et cetera? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it will be uh, a lot of it. So, one of the best parts about the race is it was thrilling. It was really exciting. It was great entertainment, great sports entertainment. Um, A big part of it is leaning into this moment where women's sports are, it's a big moment right now. So much more coverage, dedicated coverage, Uh, newspaper outlets, media outlets, promising higher coverage next year. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, the only reason they're doing that is because there's a return on their investment. You know, it's not because of like goodwill. No, you know, I mean, there's budgets are too tight right now. The only reason they're doing that is because they are seeing great return on that investment. Mm -hmm. So uh, covering women's sports is just good business right now. So, um, you know, where we we put a lot of effort into PR, we put a lot of effort into Mm -hmm. the storytelling around um, the women's uh, world tour, because it's we also find that the the characters, the personalities are thrilling. Um, there's a lot of dimension to the stories because, you know, for the men's world tour, uh, you know, most of the men in the world tour, all they ever did was ride their bikes. <laughs> what? In the women's what? world tour, in the women's world tour, because they could, they could actually make a living of it from since the time they were like 17. They could just ride their bikes right. and that was it. The women's world tour, we have advanced degrees. We have doctors, we have police women. We have um, so much rich storytelling. So we worked with a lot of media outlets to highlight that and to 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 hear the stories. I mean, you know, when you watch the Olympics and all those stories around it, they give you the goosebumps and just make you um, all of a sudden now you're following an athlete because because you feel a deeper connection to them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what women athletes have to offer, especially right now. Um, just fresh storytelling, beautiful stories. Honestly, the struggle of, of being a, a woman athlete and this, you know, that that it is it's only now that, you know, so many sports have a, a pro option, you know, and that that momentum right now. So um, it's it's not a hard thing to get coverage for. Uh, I think that sure. there's there's a appetite for it right now. And we just really leaned into that. We had a really wonderful campaign around it called Watch the Femme. And, uh, you know, this is sort of idea of like the new rules that, that, you know, out with the old rules, like this is the future of cycling and it's fresh and it's exciting. And when you watch all, all women win. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, and, uh, like I said, the, the storytelling and just 
the content around this, it was endless. It sounds like you invested a lot into this. Is something I've been uh, thinking about this week and talking with Iron Man about something. Like you, you had to invest in getting oh, yeah. those stories, out. like the over, like the the initial investment, right, to like get those stories out there, to make those videos, to do all that. Oh yeah, and it was working. Mm-hmm. The best part about this is not just with being like, hey, everybody, watch the fem. It was <laughs> we worked with the pro teams, and they were all mm-hmm. on board. You see our campaign, you see all the teams like reflected in the campaign. It was the other sponsors like Live and Strava and a lot of other brands that really care deeply about growing the sport. Um, It was the media. The media showed up and they made a dedicated effort to, to, uh, you know, cover so much. I mean, the amount of coverage was off the charts, you know, because it was great. And it was like people wanted, you know, especially because it was the first year, people wanted to hear the stories and stuff. And now we built fans. Now people know who Ademik Van Vluten is. Now they know who Demi Volering is, you know, and um, I think that's, that's going to be the key to the continued success of this is, is that fandom and just, you know, people wanting to watch the action and see these up and coming stars and, and just the hunger for, you know, new superstars. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we got to, so we got to invest. We got to build the fans. I, the sponsors part is interesting to me. You mentioned a few there that I know, like I know lives a women brand. I have their bike. It's great. Uh, Strava's invested heavily in women. Is it, is, are there different sponsors that you went after then who, you know, really see the value in targeting a women demographic? So we actually did not, you know, because we are the title sponsor of the race. We actually Mm. are not responsible Mm. for the other sponsors. Um, That was ASO. But Mm -hmm. I've already heard there's so many more people that are coming to the table because of the success of this year. So it was it's great to see the um, inaugural sponsors, you know, sign on some of the men's sponsors like LCL and Skoda also, uh, you know, sponsored the women's race, which is really cool. Um, But uh, yeah, so it's um, there's a lot of people that want to be a part of this race now. And that's uh, that's what we hope. We want to be a catalyst for more investment in the sport. We want to say, hey, look, this is working. This is great business. This is exciting. This is a great return on your investment. And now all of a sudden more people are coming to the table. Women are able to, we've already heard that women, uh, the world tour um, in the latest survey, they're um, asking for at least 10% more or being given 10% more in salary as an average. So massive, um, you know, massive, uh, metrics to show that this is, you know, this is really, it, it is creating more opportunity. It is, uh, it's having the uh, intended impact. It's very exciting. So the, there's a whole market out there that'll buy bikes and equipment and gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Why did you, and I know, um, obviously you're just the title sponsor, you're not ASO, but previous versions of women's tour, La Course, uh, happened in between the men's, you know, like it happened earlier in the day or the day before. Why did you guys think that a totally separate day and event, you know, after, I think there was some concern that like, oh, people aren't going to stick around, right? Why was, why did you just go with that model? Yeah, actually, I thought I was pretty excited about it from the start. And Mm -hmm. I will say it worked brilliantly. (laughs) Um, We basically launched off of the men's tour. Um, and, And if, you know, for tour fans, the Monday after the tour ends, you're sort of like, now what do I do? Because like you've just been so you've been so invested and this daily, mm-hmm. it sort of almost becomes part of your routine, this daily cycling action. You know, some people watch the full stage. They have it on while they're working. Some people watch the highlights every night. Um, so to capitalize on that peak audience, peak audience of the final day of the men's to launch the women's race and you could watch, mm-hmm. you know, 
almost the whole women's race. Uh, it was like what almost two and a half hours, I believe, of coverage. Yeah, two and a half hours of coverage every day. So, um, and it didn't really conflict with the men's, you know, that first stage. So you capitalize on all of those eyes that were uh, so invested in the men. And the, and the final day, of the men's is sort of a parade, you know, with the right, final sprint. Right. And it's now boring. you have women's, which yeah. is like kicking off with uh, like an incredible intensity and the pomp and circumstance of the backdrop of Paris. It was a beautiful way to start the race. And, in, you know, and we saw in France alone on that first day mm-hmm. at French TV alone, three million viewers of the women's race. Um, the women's race peaked at, at five million viewers for the final stage in France alone. And we're still gathering all the data from worldwide, but it was off the chart. It was, it was like a 26% share of, of people that were watching TV in France were watching the women's race. Uh, yeah, I was like, I think if we could get 5 million people to watch a live triathlon, we'd be happy. So. It's incredible. It's incredible. And that's just in one country. The Dutch, the Dutch, I mean, you can imagine the whole, po- yeah. the whole podium was Dutch. I think right. Dutch was like, it was a 40%, over 40% share. It's insane. What are you... Uh... I mean, I know obviously there's like little things changing for next year, but like big, did you take any big lessons, like any big things you're going to change for, you know, for making this a sustainable, for moving forward for future years? Yeah, I would, instead of change, I say evolution, um, okay. the women's race. Um, we also, you know, in, in talking about like why we did this, you know, after the men's race is the women deserve their own stage. You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's use the energy coming, the energy and eyes coming from the men's race, but the women that that this is enough action and personality and and great sports entertainment to you know warrant its own space. So um, we're really excited uh, that the women are actually even going to have their own start next year in um, Clermont Ferrand, in uh, and they're going to go into the Pyrenees. And they're going to do a massive, iconic Tour de France climb, the Col de Tourmalet. Um, okay. So that is going to be a huge. Uh, you know, that's, that's what the Tour de France, you know, that's just one of the most iconic elements is these giant mountain passes. So now we will have a, the, the, a, a proper massive mountain stage on stage seven, um, the, you know, the uh, penultimate stage. And then the final stage is a time trial in Poe, um, another iconic element of the Tour de France, which we did not have in the inaugural version. So that's another very exciting evolution of the race. And I think it's going to be thrilling. It's going to be really good. And time trials are just a really, you know, you know, from triathlon, they're, they're, they're super thrilling. They're super exciting to watch. Um, and I think it's a great way to, to close out the race and also distinguish from the men's race. That makes sense. Okay. So, you're, so it's, so it's, a, we're adding something. I read, I read, uh, yeah. after, after this year, there was uh, some coverage. let Annemiek climb the Alp duets, let her do it. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I'm glad, you know, we had some, there was some serious climbing in this year's edition, but not one of those, there's, you know, a handful of just super mm-hmm. iconic coals. And so it will be very exciting to go on this sort of, you know, holy terrain, uh, Tour de France terrain of the Tourmalet. Um, I think it's like a 17K climb. It is a beast. And this year, like stage, I think it was uh, stage six or seven, um, to see the fans line mm-hmm. the climb of, of this year's race, I can't wait to see what the tourmalade is going to be like next year. I mean, people are going to be out in droves. I have one of the reasons they, uh, well, you know, in the cycling commentary world, one of the reasons they didn't do the massive ones this year, and, and you know, that there hasn't been a multi-day stage before, was like, oh, the women aren't ready for it. They, yeah. They're not good enough. There's not enough depth. They're not ready for it. And that's certainly yeah. something we also hear in like expanding 
Oh, yeah. I mean, Will Chance is like, oh, they're. Yeah. I was like, I don't even have a question. I was just like, yeah. But I will say, I love triathlon. I always look to triathlon in that space yeah. because they often do the same distances, right? Yes, Almost yeah, always. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome because it just proves that, like, I mean, it, it's, we know it's BS that women can't, you know, do these kind of distances or this kind of intensity that men can do. Women could do a three week tour, you know, uh, it, that's not the current goal. And that's not something that we're hearing that teams want, riders want yet. Um, it's more about, you know, building a really sustainable, exciting race. Um, but yeah, there is no question what these, these women athletes can do. We saw some, uh, just absolutely memorable and um, just just badass performances this year that, uh, yeah, you know, they're just world-class athletes. For sure. Yeah, I think it's more a question of, like, the uh, the depth, right? And building up the, the depth of the exactly. team. And all that kind of, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You know, you know, the men's races have been going on in team structure for, you know, 100 years now. And uh, the women's side is, is catching up very quickly. You know, there's now there's 14 world tour teams and they're, you know, pretty well funded, but there's still a lot of um, a lot of development, a lot more investment needed. And but it's going all in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing so, so much more depth to the teams. Um, we're seeing more races, higher price versus higher salaries, salary minimums, all the positive things that are really going to contribute to lasting change in the sport. Because, I mean, think about it, you know, when there wasn't, um, a, you know, a minimum salary for the, the highest level, um, that means that women can't just ride their bike. They're having, they're, 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 they have a second job, you know, or they're, you know, they're um, needing, uh, you know, more support system at home or something. And so, the ability for women to actually be pros is just raising the level. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is there anything that you would want us like, so obviously triathlon, like you trying to said, it's always been equal, always had same prize money, always had same. And now we're dividing up to a women's world champs and a men's world champs. Is there anything you would want to tell us? Any lessons we should learn from you? How, well, how to do this? Take advantage of the separate space. Take advantage of, um, you know, sort of uh, this sort of uh, the, this, opportunity to to focus on the stories of um you know the women's championship um you know you, you don't have to kind of compete with the men at the same time right it, it's not it's in different yeah, totally, time too. totally different yeah. yeah so i see a huge opportunity there to you know have full coverage on the women and to go a little deeper with the storytelling um to have you know dedicated media coverage that's not split I think it's a great opportunity, um, and uh, uh, you know, the using the athletes. Uh, you know, women athletes are incredible about using their platforms to promote um, the sport themselves, the races. Uh, you know, we're. I think that that you know, like things like Instagram have been such a huge, huge help for women athletes because now they can take their marketing under their own hands, and they're really good at it. They're great at building content. They're great at building fans. They're uh, they are relatable and exciting, and they give you you know they give you an inside look at at their their training and their um, and their life you know. And I think there's so there's you know kind of endless content there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think kind of focusing on what you know what's exciting about the, you know the women's race that you know it's. That's what's unique about the women's race. You know, that was one thing that we talk about all the time with the women's tour is that we're not trying to be the men's tour. We're trying to be something different. This is something, you know, this is a new format. This is new personalities. This is a new talent, new action. 
Um, and it's not, it doesn't have to be the same. And I think that that's something that's even more valuable to the world of sport is, you know, something that, that stands out on its own. So think about ways that the, that the women's action, the women's personalities um, can stand out on their own. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be, you know, yeah. hopefully we get 5 million viewers. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, start the storytelling early, you know, um, you know, I think even, even the fact that, that, that there is a big change this year is going to warrant more media attention. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I would also start talking to media outlets early about what their strategy is, what their plan is for coverage and see where the opportunities are. Um, there's so much more um, women's focused sports media right now. Like uh, I, I think about like, uh, what is it? Um, women's, uh, there's women's. Just women's sports. Yeah. Women's sports, gist, sports. yeah. Just women's sports, the gist, um, they, you know, and they're doing a great job. So I would, you know, focus on those. I would link into, you know, all the good podcasting going on right now, starting to tell stories early, talk about, you know, the difference and, and you know, what's happening this year and why it's a good thing um, and find the angles, you know, find the storytelling angles. And I think, you know, the, you know, the, it's, it's the biggest race in the world, right? So it's going to be covered um, and, and uh, ch- kind of take advantage of that, uh, not, not competing directly with the men. You know, and just, you know, having full coverage on the women's. For sure. Well, congratulations on such a big, successful event. And I'm, you know, excited to see how it grows and everything evolves. Thank you. Yeah, it's going to keep evolving. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great year. I'm very excited. We also sponsor Perry Bay Femme Swift in April. Yeah. So that is the, uh, the second uh, inaugural edition of that. Um, and that was a thrilling race last year too. So just a, a lot of excitement going into this year. I can't wait. Cause I think as good as it was last year, I just know because of all the attention we got last year, next year is going to be fire because now that, you know, everybody knows that, you know, how, how good the racing is. And it's such an incredible opportunity for the women that they are going to take full advantage of that opportunity and they're going to bring their a game and it's going to be uh, the racing is going to be just incredible because the stakes are so high now and the, right. and there's so many more eyes on it. It's great. It's really great. Well, I will definitely be watching. So, <laughs> Yes. I will watch the uh, Ironman. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> will, Thank you for checking with us. Iron women? Will they call the other one that's the Ironman? That's a good, that's a good, should we, that should be a whole debate we have about whether or can not we, we should change we talk the about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love Tour de France Femme of X-Wick because it just, it does distinguish the race, you know? Right, right. You know, and it's, it's still, yes, the Tour de France Ironman are like these, you know, these, they carry Iconic, so much weight. Yeah. But, you know. That's a good question. Should we have a new name? Unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're calling it Women's Kona right now, but we should probably come up with a new name, so. Me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for chatting with us. Uh, such a pleasure. Thank you for having me.